0: Great Expectations is part of the Earth 2 Network of Podcasts. In 2013, a crack X-Men nerd unit was sent to Jerry's basement by a military court for a podcast they didn't commit to. These men promptly escaped from Jerry's sex dungeon to the greater Detroit underground. Today, still unwanted by their listeners, they survive as readers of X-Men. If you're bored, if no one else can help, and if you can find them, Maybe you can download the XT. Hey everybody, this is Jerry and Sean back again for a bonus edition of Great Expectations. This is episode 32.1. That's right. So buckle up, this is going to be a giant-sized episode of Great Expectations. And, Steve, Alan, don't go anywhere. You're with us till the end.
1: You got it. We will all go down together. (laughs) (laughs) I hope you guys didn't make any plans.
2: Boom, 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 boom. boom, boom. x I know how you do this. I know how you do the, the transitions. I know. (laughs)
0: <laughs> so, guys, the reason you're both on this episode is because you are both huge Paul Smith fans, and we are at the end, the end of the Paul Smith run of the uh-huh. Uncanny X-Men. Oh man.
2: It's rough. Sad.
0: And so, the question was, who do we give this episode to? We can't say no to either one of them. We give it to both of those motherfuckers. <laughs> so, here you are. So here we are at Uncanny X-Men number
3: 174.
1: X-Men.
2: Wow. Oh Scott, so Steve has a question.
1: All right. The cover of 174 has Mastermind uh looking down at Madeline and Scott in his little uh crystal ball of flame, right? And they're kind yes. of uh embraced, but I and I know that uh, somewhat of a spoiler, we're kind of moving towards a uh, a marriage of the two of these. They're dressed in white here. Is this supposed to be their, like, wedding dress? Scott looks like he's ready to go to the dojo with his gi on, not necessarily, or they look like they have hotel robes on, not wedding garb.
0: My interpretation of this image is that Scott worked, worked his bedroom magic on Maddie Prior to proposing to her so he hmm. could maximize his uh, percent success rate. So that she would say yes. yes. Gotcha. So he threw a hump into
1: her. They had showers. Yes. He proposed and she said yes. And then one little tear comes out of Madeline's eye. I guess it's a tear of joy for now. Let's hope it's a
3: tear. Yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. She cried, she cried yeah. a lot in this issue. <laughs>
4: You sure,
0: just got it, people. Oh, you're gross. <laughs> I got you this lovely ring and this pearl necklace. <laughs> oh, Claremont,
1: Paul Smith, and Bob Wycheck together again for the penultimate time. Oh, thank you, Steve. Thank you. Penultimate, so- a word that we all learned from reading
2: comics. <laughs> yep. Great. <laughs> right. Yes, Lord, Yes. This one and a thousand others. Kibosh. Uh, one of one I of my only... from, from, uh, comics.
1: oh yeah, one of my only um, disappointments with Smith's work in general is um, his version of Dave Cockrum sci-fi tech isn't really up to par and, and never really was. But oh. I just I love his art. Oh, You
2: shut your whore
1: mouth. <laughs> well, you know that gate, that Shiar tech, and those ships. I mean, the first panel here that shows the the Starjammers ship kind of rem- reminded me of that. You know,
2: I, did you guys did you guys hear me um, when you were doing the podcast for the last two issues and Paul Smith showing us the handsome Wolverine and the beautiful Rogue? Did you guys hear me talking to you through the podcast? Because I was thinking, I kept shouting at my iPod. Oh, but it's so gorgeous, it's so beautiful, it's so nice!
0: <laughs> Paul Smith's rogue is my favorite rogue.
2: Yeah. It is yes. Great. So we get more of that in these, in these issues.
0: So Scott is a cold-blooded pimp in this issue because he in the effort to woo his lady takes her out to space to watch an Earth rise. Yeah.
1: Try to say like, no now. Right? That's right putting those moves on her.
4: And the earth is
0: not the only thing rising. He's got the
1: muffin top hair going.
2: (laughs) (laughs) It could be seen as that, yes.
1: One thing that's interesting that I can't recall if I've seen many other artists do, if any, is showing the Ruby Quartz goggles such that they're translucent enough to really be able to see his eyes through. Yeah. It's it's, it's odd. It, It happens a few times in these couple of issues here. Do you exactly. have an opinion on that is it bad or good? Um I just I usually thought of them as being more opaque. I'm used to seeing him look like he's almost a blind man having wearing those ruby quartz glasses. Um so it's weird to to look right through like that. Um mm. it makes them seem thinner and less um able to hold in the that that blast of solar energy.
3: There's a lot's of kissing going on. Yeah. Hespebel wants to get in on the action? She's like like father, like son, wink.
0: Yeah. Oh, we should mention this issue Sean, I thought of you when I read this issue, I thought of you because this issue is called Romances. Okay. And um this is a done in one mm-hmm. story, basically, which is I mean, you on Twitter the day I read this you were kind of crying for this. Like you you wanted more of this.
4: Sure.
0: And um and this is just like Exactly the kind of story that you want. It's all characterization. It's a done-in-one story, and it's just, like, they don't
3: do it like that anymore. And then Harry.
0: between this and the next issue, you see the very best of Cyclops. It's true. It's it's like Chris Claremont knew you were coming.
3: <laughs> so this is where Scott and Carol have the talk about how there's nothing left on Earth for her, so she's going to join up with Star Jammers. What a and, uh, what a Ditko face on that one of of Carol where she's got
1: the tear in her eye and she's looking out where the whole bottom of her face ex- comes you know extends way out past her mm-hmm. forehead. That I mean, if you go back and look at old Ditko female faces, I, I mean it, it it's amazing. As soon as I saw it, I was like, "Whoa! What a Ditko draw this panel?" Huh. I didn't pick up on that.
2: She's got that hair. She's got that Clairol. I'll, I'll post my that visual proof. hair going on.
1: Uh, uh, <laughs> I'll post my argument in visual form once uh, the episode's posted.
2: But I, I, this is a, an issue that, that hipped me to the fact that Carol's skin isn't showing in her binary costume. I had always thought that when she binaried up, that the red of her shoulders and her um, midriff oh. and her upper thigh was her okay. skin all powered up. ah! But according to this page that you're, that you're talking about, Steve, that's a costume.
1: Yeah, that's it's more like, costume. like the Dark Stars from... <laughs> Who? <laughs> What's yeah, they, a- they didn't exist at this time. <laughs> <laughs> they must so have something this. I just
0: noticed, um, there's a panel that shows uh, Scott and Maddie and the Star Jammers, and then in the foreground, there's a woman sitting at a control panel.
2: Yes. Who is Ooh, Sam- the F is that? I was going to ask that same question. Exactly. Who is that? I, don't I would know. like to get to know is her, but I don't know no. who that
1: is. She's got a sword sticking out of her head. Oh, no, that's Raza's. <laughs> <laughs> that's just another Paul Smith tangent.
4: So,
0: so? Um, Corsair kind of mentions that, it restates his offer to Scott to join them, to join the Star Jammers, leave Earth, get the hell out of there, be rule the galaxy, As father and son.
1: Yeah. I guess we know what issue Bendis went back and looked at when they decided to send young Cyclops off with Corsair on the current series, huh? Mm -hmm.
4: Mm Mm-hmm.
3: I like that he gives Maddie the look when he answers his dad and says, I don't know, because he's peeking at Maddie. Like, if you had asked me a couple weeks ago before I got a taste, I might be out there amongst (laughs) the stars. Dad, you know how I am with redheads. (laughs)
0: So now it it ultimately is going to depend on what she says. Uh, but before we move on, I want to mention that um, that uh, Hepzibah kind of pulls Scott aside and asks him how he's doing. And he says, my dreams come true by meeting Maddie. And she says, why do I hear such doubt in your voice? Uh, it's easy to talk about caring and loving, but um, are you willing to die for her like Corsair was willing to do for me? And that reminded me of a really great issue of Classic X-Men, a backup story from Classic X-Men number 15 that Claremont and John Bolton did, where you get the origin of um, Corsair meeting the Starjammers for the first time. And he's kind of in this crystal mine. And um, he sees Hepzibah run by in an attempt to escape and she's captured by the guards and tortured like a motherfucker. And Corsair tries to step in and stop it. He's tortured and completely broken. And it's, they replay the, the events leading up to that where the, his ship is destroyed by the Shi'ar ship. And um, he's taken captive. His wife is raped and murdered. And he's left in this mine. And he's completely broken. And um, so at that point, Raza and Chad show up in an attempt to rescue Hepzibah, and they find Chris, Chris Summers, in, in this completely broken state, and he's like, don't hurt me, don't hurt me, I don't know anything. And Raza just wants to waste the dude because he's useless, but he is a witness to the fact that they were there. But Chad takes pity on them, and then they go to find Hepzibah. And they're about to rescue her from the guards when Chris kind of, like, rediscovers his will to live and steps in and attacks the guards himself.
1: Yeah, He gets and his mojo that, back.
0: Right, and at that point they're like, wow, this guy's really got something to him. And he joins the Starjammers. That's, like, the the thing that brings him back from the brink. You know, like, fr- from just wanting to die. All he wants is to die, and, and and uh, instead, becomes a swashbuckling hero that we see now.
2: And you feel like Hepzibah was his motivator to get back into the into the fight of life.
0: Right. Yeah, and and that that uh, shared moment kind of brought them together and was the the igniter for their passionate flame.
2: Right on. And that big bushy tail—I bet had something to do with it. <sighs> The bigger the tail, the... uh, bigger the tail. That's right. The bigger the tail, the bigger the tail.
1: But Scott doesn't know any of
2: that. Probably.
1: Nope. I like the next sequence has uh, Professor X with Lalandra, and he's he's like, he he looks like he's uh, right out of the 80s, let's get physical, everybody's (laughs) working for the weekend. (laughs) You know, turn me loose, turn me loose, I got to do it my way. No he's way got, at all.
2: He's got that headband for no hair.
1: <laughs> but it's a white wife beater he's wearing, and then he's got a yellow headband. It's, her, it's quite the statement. And, and and athletic socks with green stripes pulled all yeah. the way up, as high as he can get them. If he could get them up to his knee, they'd be up there. Those socks go all the way up,
0: you know what I'm saying?
1: <laughs> he got that fashion tip from Kitty Pride. What I, what I didn't understand was she's descri- he's describing how he's got this psychosomatic pain. And then right. L- Lalandra replies that but the final tests have shown that the problem is physical in origin. And I'm thinking, well, isn't that a contradiction? <laughs> right. But, I mean, it, it could be the answer to the, the question they've been, been unable
0: to answer at this point. Like, why, why all this pain when he tries to use his legs? Well, it really is just a physical manis- manifestation I don't know what the answer is. I don't remember this ever being resolved. I think they leave the Earth before they ever get to the answer.
2: In his floating chair. So he gets a floating chair after this.
1: She's making him the same offer that um, Corsair's making Cyclops, which is like, you know, come away with me. Uh, We're back to this, where we always are, you know. Um, Do you want me to stay on Earth? I want to go away. And he's like, those new mutants, he's like, why the heck did I start the new mutants up?
2: (laughs) They're really cramping my
1: style here. Yeah.
2: well, just, just look for the brood embryo inside of you, and that'll let you know why.
0: Yeah. Ah, Alan with the callback. It all comes back to the brood. That's why the new mutants exist.
1: And Lelandra's hair is really interestingly portrayed here, too, where yes. you see the round, tight dome of the back of her head, of her yeah. skull. Yes. but So it's like the fins come out from... From her temples, rather than from yes. further back on her head, which is how I've seen it done a lot of the other times.
0: He did not yes. follow Cockrum's model. Interesting.
2: But I do like... Don't you like this, though? I it's, love it. It's interesting. Yeah. Huh? It's al- It's very alien. Yes.
0: <laughs> Everything Lander has going on, I'm buying.
2: <laughs> <laughs> it give, and it gives Xavier something to hold on to. To cup. When he goes oh, in for uh-huh. the kiss. Yep.
0: He's cupping the wrong thing, Alan.
2: Not just in this picture.
0: <laughs> Where's that other hand?
2: Exactly. Give, give him some time.
0: <laughs> After this, they're gonna get blitzed and fool around. Oh, oh, oh! No spoilers.
3: My favorite. Save oh. it. Save it. So, um, cut back to Cyclops. And his angst. Yep, doing some introspection. Madeline comes up to starts talking to him about whether or not he's thinking about ghosts, and she mentions that she does it all the time too because of the people that died in the plane crash. Oh. That she couldn't help. Then uh, she asks Scott if he's thinking about her dad's offer, his dad's offer, and tells him to not hold back. And Scott says, "Well, what do you think about coming with me?" And then there's a moonlit kiss. <laughs> then we cut to northern Japan. Oh man
2: or Wolverine.
0: I hate this whole part. I hate it. it's good but I hate it. Why? This, this This is okay. So this whole thing is leading up to spoiler their showdown with Mastermind. And here you have a relationship that has to happen between Wolverine and Mariko. This has been building since issue 100 99? Something like that? Editor's note, wrong again, Jerry. It was Uncanny X-Men number 118. They finally make it to the altar, and she disses him. And it's all because of Mastermind. And this never really gets resolved. But here's Wolverine back at Mariko's crib saying, Hey, why did you redact me? And she rejects him again, and he says, Well, then, you gave me your family's honor sword. I don't want it anymore. And he sticks it in the ground. Silver- there, is,
3: there is nothing that makes a girl change her mind more than showing up at her house and throwing swords in the lawn.
0: What do you think would have happened if he had shown up with a boombox playing in your eyes instead?
2: <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, I just sent a shiver right down my spine, dude. I played That's that.
1: On, right. I played that on guitar with a friend of mine uh, for our wives last night. Actually, <gasps> how funny! Now is when I haven't gone back and reread the uh, Wolverine dumped at the altar issue, but was the did he kill her father before that? Was she using that as ammunition against him as justification at that time too? Because maybe her reasoning has changed. Because now she's referring to. That limited series.
0: So what she had said was that um, had Wolverine not killed her father, she would have been forced to do it um, and then forced to kill herself afterwards. So it was really a good thing that he did it in Mariko's eyes until
1: Mastermind got a hold of her. Hmm. All right. So her perception of that event is just forever changed. Right. Yeah, it seems to be. Sucks for Logan.
2: So the, what, the thing that I don't get is, what did Mastermind make her see that made her, made her reject him?
0: Um, I, I really don't know that it took much. I think he just kind of pointed her towards Wolverine's animal self and had her fixate on that. Yeah. And that was enough to make her grossed out by him, I guess.
2: Grosses <laughs> me <laughs> out. <laughs> it's not gross at all. Poor it's Wolverine. tragic
0: is what it is
2: a part of him love the love that part take the man at his hole or don't take him at all
0: so that whole wolverine mariko yukio triangle completely blown up he probably could have been happy with either one and now he has neither
1: I like how the Silver Samurai gets to, like, limp out with, like, you know, on a crutch and a peg leg and an arm <laughs> and a sling and, like, a, a halo screwed into his head. And he's like, who's laughing now? Oh,
0: <laughs> 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 oh my God, it's true.
2: Yep, you hurt me, but uh, you lost the girl.
0: So, Logan is cast out and told never to come back. And we return to Westchester, where we see Kitty reading a Marvel Star
1: Wars comic book. Um, Steve, you could probably identify what issue this is, I'll bet. It's funny it was funny you ask me that, because I, I have that issue. I know the cover, but I don't know what issue it is. Oh, you it's know what? It's 73.
0: 73. You can see it right on
2: there. <laughs> yeah.
0: And it's, it's even got the Kool-Aid Man video game yeah. ad yeah. on the back yeah, cover, yeah. which is fucking awesome.
2: And what's also awesome is that it's hand-drawn. It's not a, a cover that's been shrunk down in, in photo- well, not Photoshop back then. Now, but yes. is the last name of the writer
3: of that particular issue, Lasby? No,
1: the Lashbees were a alien race uh in those later Star Wars uh. issues. They it, they were ridiculous, uh Sean. They were these little tiny furry gremlin-like cute guys, okay? But <clears throat> then when they reached puberty, after that, whenever they got stressed out, they turned into big hulks. And they even had a yes. name that was indicative of a hulk, like a, okay. like Hughes or something like that or some some weird thing. And the thing that turned them back into the little cute furbies was music music is what calmed them so i think we know why uh, marvel lost the star wars license
0: (laughs) so my question is did paul smith demand a cover page rate for this issue since he had to draw the entire page and he drew a cover on it (laughs) and a back cover and a back cover
1: gonna have to charge
0: activision or whatever he
1: got kool-aid money
0: <laughs> yeah and they can't reprint this issue anymore now because it's got kool-aid on there and they don't have the kool-aid
1: account anymore
0: <sighs> kitty
1: though could she be any cuter in these panels on this page i mean you guys have Chandler talked...
0: Bing submits she could not
1: <laughs> You guys have talked before about the whole thing of like that it's skeevy to like be thinking that Kitty was so cute and da da da. da. Well she's what you keep saying she's supposed to be like fourteen or fifteen or something, right? I I yes. was I was thirteen when I was reading these, so she was an older woman yeah. for me. Yes. But also she like in most Hollywood things, she is obviously an eighteen year old playing a fourteen year old. Or a 20 year old playing a 14 year old. Like, sure. when you see high school kids on TV, you know they're all college age, right? Right. Um, and that's what's going on here. The way he throws oh, her, no. her hips.
4: No, <laughs> no, no. She's no, always got no, the shirt no.
1: tucked in so that it's like flattering to her chest and everything. Like, he, they went out of their Whatever way to make us love Kitty. They went
2: out of their way to help you sleep at night. That's what you gotta tell yourself because I'm I'm looking at her her chest isn't isn't a 18 year old ample proportion she's got a she's got a regular modest bust size know. there she's a 13 14 year old girl no, no, I think she no says way she's way in 16. Hell.
3: doesn't she does she say 16
2: no. in this one she, she better not
1: no her those those hips and everything else and he, he he's drawing her in a way to sell her as being attractive um the the bend oh, and she- the every it's that the choice opposes, and it wasn't just him either, but it was Burn, too, and Cockrum even at times. Um, it's not our fault, Jerry. <laughs> well, comics were for kids
0: back in the day. We were supposed to fall in love with her then so that we'd stay
1: loyal consumers now. And it's working, by God. It's working! Yes, yes! She yes. Uh, comes upon Peter, who's in his uh, room kind of with a uh, a painter's block uh, regarding his canvas and my first thought was try sitting a little closer to the canvas so you can reach it (laughs) but the other thing that struck me here was uh, Colossus is a southpaw huh he's holding his his palette in his right and and his brush is free for his left if you ever want to be anything as an artist you need to be left handed
0: that's just the end of the story
2: what? true story what is he saying? what is he saying to us?
0: It's true. It's true. You guys just got to give up. So
2: that's my problem.
1: Yes. But if I you're left-handed, don't you have to start drawing from the bottom of the page so your hand doesn't <laughs> rub over it because your hand's all like wrapped around on top? I didn't
0: say it made sense. I just said it's right. the
1: facts. Kirby this started is... drawing pages Would from the upper, from? upper left-hand corner and worked his, way, worked his way diagonal across and down. Oh,
2: oh this Kirby is my favorite. was left-handed then.
1: No, Kirby was a righty. I'm saying he started in his upper left-hand corner of the of the page and just worked across and down and, and uh, kind of the way you would read a book. But that also f- functionally facilitates the hand and not rubbing over your pencil marks. I see. But I digress. Yes,
3: I
2: see. <laughs>
3: hey, it's Sean's job to digress, guys. Come yeah. on now. And this is my favorite part of the entire issue because, like, when do you ever see Colossus paint anymore? Yeah. Like they never, you know, I I know that everybody complains about event after event after event in new comics, but there's just never a breather. There's never a moment where they get to be people. And the reason that I like the book so much is because they're people first. These moments were second. important: the, the, yeah? the basketball games, the uh,
1: you know storm up doing her flowers, uh, the Peter painting, um, uh, Elf and Wolvie playing uh, hide and seek in the in the woods on the grounds for a beer. Um, these were those character moments that let us and kept reminding us who these people were and let's not forget cutting down trees
2: (laughs) i can't (laughs) help that just smashed it's gotta happen
0: so um kitty being the forward young lady that she is um tells colossus to close his eyes because she has a surprise but really, she has two surprises. The first one, probably the better surprise, is that she jumps into his arms and kisses him. Right which, on the mouth. Right on the mouth, which surprises the hell out of him. And he says he's angry, but we're not buying that. Mm, Are we yeah.
3: buying that? Not at all. No, no, no.
2: No, he outweighs her by at least 150 pounds. I couldn't de- stop
0: her. With her, officer, I swear. <laughs>
2: If he didn't want her to kiss him, I'm sure he could have just extended his arms forward and, and taken her off of him.
1: Well, she points to the fact that he's he's clueless, right? I mean, she's like, "What a maroon" before she jumps into his mouth because she's telling him to stand there, hands at your side, eyes closed. What I like that Steve says jumped into her his mouth.
2: <laughs> she did. I'm sure that was one fluid motion from the ground <laughs> straight to his face. It was
1: one of those Freudian slips, you know, where you, where you mean one thing but you say your mother. Yeah, right,
0: exactly. <laughs> so, surprise number two is that she has him cover his she covers his eyes and has him start walking forward, and she phases the two of them together up into the air and through the floor, ceiling, floor, slash floor, and up into Storm's attic.
3: It's pretty dangerous.
0: I Probably a good idea to just say, hey, I'm going to phase, uh, phase right. us through the floor, so concentrate really
1: hard on what you're doing. I'm going to concentrate on what I'm doing. But sh- yeah. she's a teenager. It's one of her yeah. the first manifestations of her showing using this power, and it's going to come in awfully handy down the line. Yeah. Yes. This is the first time, isn't it? Yeah. Phasing somebody else.
2: It's a good thing that uh, she's going to get that opportunity and that he didn't open his eyes when they were halfway through the floor. Right?
1: Yes. What I love is the last panel where uh, where he does open his eyes and they both get distracted and they fall to the ground. Um, the way that there was no background drawn in that panel, it left it open either, I don't know who did it, if it was, if it was um, Smith, or if it was Check or if it was uh, Tom O., <laughs> the letterer. But it's awesome yeah. that I love the effect of the box letters almost perpendicular and extending past the word balloon. Um, it really look it shows the discoordination and the awkwardness of the moment. It's like the words are even jostled out of the word balloon. But it also fills up that negative space. It does. I'm going to
0: give Orzakowski the credit for that because I love him. It is what good. do you think of that? So I'm, I'm
3: with Fair you. Fair enough. Do so, it, do it.
0: So now they're up in Storm's loft and there's a lot of brick walls and not much covering them at this point. Um, Storm comes home and she's excited to see that she has visitors. But oh dear, they're not visiting her, they're visiting each other's faces. Mm,
2: it's true. And, uh, I do and, like the way that for the past three pa- for the past three pages, Kitty's just been riding Colossus. <laughs> like for the, for three pages, she's just in his arms. She's in his everything. She's just riding on him like he's a big horse.
1: She's in control of this opportunity. She's she, <laughs> for sure. <laughs> that big oaf won't make the move. She's going to do it herself. Just, but I remember all what really struck me as a thirteen-year-old reading this. Was, uh, as we just said a few minutes ago, all those character moments of who these characters are, right? How many times have we seen... I mean, it, it's a real staple fixture of the mansion of Storm's, you know, um, attic loft that's this beautiful garden. And she always... she. I mean, she used to talk to her plants and, and right. rain, rain on them and everything all nice. And, like, dance around nude up there and whatnot. And now it's just like a big old empty attic.
0: And this really upsets Kitty, and she's like, "What have you done?" And, and Aurora's response is, "Well, I've changed." But what she doesn't mention is that the last time she tried to water her plants, she lost control of her powers and she destroyed pretty much all of them. Yep. Yeah. And uh, and she's just kind of tucking that under the rug. Like she doesn't want everybody to know that she. She's losing control of her powers and losing control of who she used to be. She's almost using this new persona as a mask Absolutely. to hide all that. Yep.
4: Oh good Poke,
1: call. Poker God face.
4: <laughs>
1: right. <laughs> right. I meant that. I meant that. <laughs> I meant to destroy everything I found <laughs> meaningful.
2: <laughs> good point. Check out the the perspective work though, right? All yeah, the, those uh, those Black slats on the underside of the roof. The lathe. <laughs> oh, he
0: did all that in Photoshop. Not a chance.
1: <laughs> nope. Not in
2: 1983. If Photoshop no Studio, no. If, if Photoshop's None of that called Bob Whitechack.
0: <laughs> so now we Good see stuff. Nightcrawler tending to Rogue, who is it's still a cute recovering. Rogue.
2: She's so pretty. She's so cute. <laughs> And She's got a beautiful face, beautiful eyebrows. It's such,
1: I mean, she used to be so maniacally depicted. Talk about someone who was like, you could tell she was a bad guy just by looking at her face. Yeah. When, when she was in Ms. Marvel and um, in, in Dazzler, kinda, I mean, her face was so evil and maniacally not, uh, you know, notorious looking um, that it's amazing to see it looking so soft and to actually be, um, you know,
2: feeling for the girl here. But there's one big difference in this rogue than in the Ms. Marvel rogue, and that is the widow's peak. Yeah, uh, in, the, yeah. in in that Avengers Annual ten, she's got this wicked widow. Uh, oh, and um, and when Wolverine Dave Cockrum did it, yep. yeah, yeah. But now, mm-hmm. but now it's it's gone, and it's just a big bouffant.
0: It's she's kind of in that transitional state between the first time Smith drew her, and um, and how uh. Romita is going to draw her with the longer hair, like yeah. she's growing it out. So it's still it's still a little funky looking at this point.
2: Oh, and also the the white stripe is in a single stripe in the middle, as opposed to when she first appeared, there were two, they were bifurcated and kind of going to the sides. Yeah, right.
1: Skunk stripes.
2: Yeah. So instead of two stripes, now there's one. You can do that. Just get a comb and just gather it to the middle instead of parting it in the middle and brushing it to the sides.
1: Mm-hmm. Clever way and, to uh, have Nightcrawler catch her up and, and the reader also, if the readers knew up on what the deal was with Jean and Dark Phoenix and everything since Scott's having yeah. all these questions about Madeline right now and all that's coming to a head. You probably should, you know, recall who Jean and what happened with the whole Dark Phoenix because they're about to relive this shit.
0: And um, I love Burns' Phoenix... It's probably my favorite, but I don't think that
3: Paul
1: Smith drawing her is a step down at
3: all. No, not at all, especially at the end of this book.
1: Yeah, in these two right. flashback panels, yes, but overall, no way. They look It looks great. I like Amanda Sefton um, uh, plushing uh, Nightcrawler back,
3: too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah,
0: she leaves him a little uh, plush Amanda Sefton doll to go with his Banff doll that he left for her. <laughs> it's pretty awesome. I would like a match set of these on my bookcase. I would too.
3: That would be great. <laughs> I think um, it was Dave Cockrum who first did the Banff doll, right? Yes, in that. Yeah. Uh, it, was, I well, think... it
1: wasn't a doll, it was in Kitty's uh, fantasy. Her Okay. Sure, but he did have the doll. That was. Okay.
3: I just know that I've heard stories of, of a fan made um, Dave one. And his wife would keep it on the convention tables, uh-huh. and she said that that was always every single person would just beg and beg and offer loads of mm-hmm. cash for that thing, and she was just <laughs> like, "Nope, can't do it." That was Paul Smith that that did the issue where he makes
0: the doll. Film, oh yeah, and, uh, I've got yeah, the T-shirt.
1: Yeah,
3: yeah.
0: The but crotch yeah, doll. The
3: right. first appearance was in that Cockrum uh, Kitty's Fairy Tale issue. Yeah. Yep. Then we cut to uh, an airplane ride with Madeline Pryor. And, and Scott's in the cockpit, and they mentioned the fact that she'd bust out the ring. We don't actually see the proposal. It's already happened. She's got that left tear too, like on the cover again. Yeah.
1: She should have that thing checked. She should. <laughs> what freaked me out when I was first reading this comic way back when was I immediately recognized, oh, man, there's that weird Tom Bosley-ish Irish priest guy. We've seen him before.
2: I think the proposal that uh, we didn't see in this comic happened on the cover that Steve pointed
3: out. It probably did. Right. Bathrobes, postcoital. Yep. <laughs> after after Scott showed her his, his sweet karate moves. Yeah.
0: The twister.
2: <laughs> the uh, cyclops. I, I, I might have to... He
4: show her
0: the cyclops. His That's one eye. Right.
2: That's right. oh yeah it's Ruby
1: Court's sheath oh (laughs) for her pleasure
3: (laughs) I think in the animated series I'll have to go and check the issues but I believe that this priest is the priest that marries Scott and Jean in the uh, television show Wow, and I believe that it's i mean I know that it's revealed later on that um that it was morph in the in the cartoon, but it but it he was pushed to do that by sinister Wow, so I thought the tie there from the cartoon to the comic was interesting
2: for the comic, they did it because it's the same priest that was messing with Jean on yep. her, on her path to becoming the dark phoenix. And it's the same guy behind the um,
3: disguise. It is indeed that old bastard. A lot of parallels
0: between that storyline and this storyline, and with good reason, because we're leading down a similar path.
1: Son of a bitch. When, <laughs> when, they, when the priest slips Scott the picture of uh, Jean uh, on the beach from Greece, and he refers to that vacation she took there, was that the... Was the Bizarre Adventures story that John Buscema and Klaus Jansen did um, where uh, Atuma kidnaps her and all that stuff, was that in Greece? Because I know it was a water thing. Oh, man. Or was that somewhere in middle America when she was visiting? I know she was with her sister, but...
3: Yeah. I'm going to have to double check when I get home. Editor's note,
1: Jean's
0: trip to Greece, at least the one we know of, occurred between issues... 117, and 119 of Uncanny X-Men, she was there for about six weeks. If you've been following along, you'll remember that during this time she thought that the rest of the X-Men had perished after their battle with Magneto in his lava base. The deal with Atuma, as it turns out, happened off Shelter Island in New York.
1: Because I was wondering if that was a little nod to that other part of her timeline where she did that. Because I like that whole thing where Atuma was after her, and then, um, you know, spoilers, uh, when Jean eventually comes back uh, from the dead, but it's okay because she's dead again. But uh, <laughs> they they revisited that, like, in one of the um, Atlantis Attacks, big crossovery things, like Atuma comes back, and he's, like, after Jean, because, like, he knows her from that Bizarre Adventures thing where he was trying to get her to be his bride at that time.
3: Um, right. Jerry, every time that Steve says... A tuma. It's not a tuma. I need you to drop that Ugh. Arnold Schwarzenegger. I had to get that out,
0: you guys. It was killing me.
1: <laughs> it's not a tuma. <laughs> At all. But I got a tuma, so I can say it. You can't see it.
2: <laughs> I need I just I just need all the good Arnolds that I could possibly hear. You do a good Arnold, that's a good Arnold.
4: <sighs>
0: so, um Scott is really rattled by this picture of of Jean in a bathing suit that's just been handed to him by a priest. I would have been rattled, too. This, I, oh, man. She, he draws her. This has got to be like a two-inch drawing of Jean on the original art. He nails it. Man's mm. a
3: genius. If only he did jam pieces. <sighs> well, he doesn't, so <laughs>
0: damn it. Oh. I am not going to stop trying, though. Everybody out there, I will not rest until Paul Smith is drawn on my jam piece.
1: That spot will never be filled until uh-huh. he fills it. Is that the spot you- you're saving, the gene spot?
2: <laughs> I like that. Cyclops and the gene spot. Hit my gene spot! Yeah, hit it with, my, hit it with your Cyclops, baby. Or at
1: least rub it with your eraser.
3: <laughs> Where are we, what are we doing? What are we doing? Rocking comics, man.
2: We're facilitating oh, Jerry's.
1: It's comics, baby. spiral.
2: And at least they're at least the characters we're talking about are of age. Hmm. Hey,
0: listen. <laughs> hey, thanks to Jason, by the way, for asking about my jam pieces this week on 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 Twitter. I appreciate it. So that. you can
3: post them. Yeah. <laughs> Any excuse. <laughs> Any excuse. But I will have that spot filled. I do the same thing when I get to post pictures of my comic room, so don't worry about it. Or your band. I'm like, oh, please. What?
0: Comic room? I do have
3: a comic room. Or his hair is beautiful, luscious hair.
4: (sighs) Luscious. I hate that guy. I
3: hate that guy. I'm taking Alan's advice, man. I'm doing video spots for every episode now. Do it. I
2: can't
3: wait. I talked to Scott about it last night. All right. We got it all set up. I,
0: people, I will not go on video, and you're welcome. (laughs)
2: The name of the video spots that you can see in archive on YouTube are called Back to the Past TV. Is that right? Yeah. you got to see that, people. Listeners, you got to see these videos because it's Sean just doing Sean. And I'm he telling is. you, it's,
3: it's awesome. Thanks, buddy. I sat in, so in on a good. few of those. I might have been in the room when you did that one. No, that one you were not. That one was just me and Scott, I, I think.
0: I could not work up the courage to do one.
3: Yeah. Jerry was invited to do those, and and he just sat in the corner and stared at us. But that was the the genesis of of him thinking that I might have something to say. I knew you had something to say. It's not good. Did people want to hear it? That's the question. We still on? We are. Yeah. 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 Was All right. A hot dog.
0: So, um, so the shady priest has now rocked his world, and he goes back
3: into the cockpit. He's all discombobulated. He's like, I'm having some digestive issues. She's like, you still going to be able to get it on? And he's like, yes, lady. Yes, I (laughs) am.
0: Maddie, they've, they've gone back to their abode. Maddie returns. She's got a big box that appears to be full of champagne. Scott's kind of looking out over the vista. And uh, Maddie tells him, I'm home, sweetheart. Bubbly's nice and chill, lover. Want to Love get fixed her. and cool around?
3: It's my Love favorite her. panel of the whole comic. Did
0: I ruin it by reading it? Do you want to read it? No. Yeah, so Sean tweeted this, and, and I just loved seeing this on Twitter, man, because it is awesome. I was talking about this before. This is that that Claremont private talk. Right. This is, you know, between two people. It's shit that they don't say when they're around other people.
3: Lover and um, I'm seriously though, Scott's a fucking idiot in this whole scene. Uh,
0: I, you know, I was thinking that too, but I disagree now, and, and I'll get to why. But um, Sean, Sean, Scott, I get you too confused, for, rightfully so. I
3: mean, the it's hair, basically it's the hair. It is. I did play an excellent Cyclops. If you can find that video, Alan. Yeah, I'll good luck. Oh,
0: I, I wish trying- you could because. That ABX
3: event that Back to the Past did was the best thing I've ever been involved in. But and that's I think that's where we start. Where you I think that is the day that you came up to me and you were like, "You should," because I was on the X Men side. We were dressed up like Cyclops. It was me
0: and you and pretty much no one else.
3: A dog named Boo
0: and a dog named Boo. So so Maddie is really excited. Like. Uh, a young lady who's just been proposed to often is. And, but Scott is all his old brooding self again. He's
3: all back in his gene world now. Typical dude, though, to propose first and then be like, Hey, are you the reincarnation of my dead ex?
0: <laughs> Spoilers. So so his world had just been rocked by that photo, though. Like, I think he really believed he was past that. But seeing that again... He's he's like Maddie, stop being happy for a minute and be sad with right. me. And he says, "I have to know. There's it's I, I'm I've been a fool and I have to know. I'm just going to ask you, are you the reincarnation of Jean Grey? Are you Phoenix? And that's the end of the page. And the first panel on the next page is just her decking him.
2: But yeah. look at. Look at the pacing, though, right? So she's got her arms, her forearms on his shoulders, and her hands crossed behind his head real close, and then he asks the question, and she kind of slides back. Yeah. the
1: right hand is sliding back further because she's pulling it back to cock
2: it. <laughs> <laughs> and, then, and then, yeah, then pow, pow with, a, with no, not even a sound effect, though. Just that right? punch.
1: It's a great, and the arm is drawn, the punching arm is drawn totally horizontal, Uh, on the page like a perfect horizontal and it just seems so strong and powerful on the the twist from her hips and everything and and Scott knocks his glasses right off. He should have just kept it to are you like connected to the phoenix somehow but dropping the are you a reincarnated my old girlfriend
2: (laughs) are (laughs) you phoenix
0: (laughs) now I agree that on the surface this is a dumb question but the reality is you cannot go into a marriage having these questions without having asked them. Hmm. I mean, they're doomed. Don't get me wrong. Now that he's asked this, they are doomed. But it was going to be worse
1: had he not asked. The night True. before they ever met her, they saw the Phoenix effect in Tokyo. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was. they were thinking Phoenix, and then she shows up looking like that, and then everything that's happened right. since.
4: Right. What right, I
1: want right, right. to know is what's on the inside of Scott's of gl- uh, goggles when he when he fishes out his um, swim goggle versions of the ruby quartz, his backup. Oh. They they show the inside of it, and and uh, Smith chose to draw it so you see the inside of the lens for whatever reason. And like there's this little spring or little curl in there that's of a different material, and uh,
2: I don't know what the heck that's for. Yeah, I think it. I think it's the same kind of lint, glossy, light reflection
1: that was on the outside of the
2: other glasses. I think it's a coloring error. Because they they put
1: weight behind it by shadowing it on one side to make it look like it's in relief.
0: Well, there's that. But yeah, I think it's a coloring error. I bet it was
1: supposed to be white in the center.
2: Because look look at the glasses that get knocked off his face when he gets punched. Yeah, but that has markings all
1: over it. This is a, a, a flat red on the whole glasses except for this one white little squiggle. Well, Steve, weird.
0: take it into MS Paint. Yeah. Make it white. <laughs> see what it looks like. Yeah, really? We'll have our answer. Fine. But so here's another. In the next page, um, Scott grabs his emergency goggles on because his glasses have been knocked off. And, um, and, uh, Maddie disappears angrily through a doorway. And this is another mirror to, um, his experience with Jean when she, on the night that yeah. she becomes the Dark Phoenix. Right. This is almost panel for panel, the same thing where Jean disappears with, um, with Jason Wingard, and Scott chases her through the dark doorway. And here he's blasted back out in flame, lands, and who emerges but Dark Phoenix.
2: And don't look at the, uh, just that face coming out of the darkness. Yeah, crazy. First, the time for talk, yeah. lover, is over.
1: And how'd they get Trevor Von Eden to come in and pencil that last panel there?
2: <laughs> <laughs> because of the mouth, right? Because the, the, of the the point
1: way... of the mouth, the shadowing on the nose, or it could be more like of a later uh, Michael Golden style of his, what his style became. But certainly, Golden's art didn't look that way back then. But interesting. But Very here's to been... Go
2: ahead. <laughs> Sean and I have say? had
0: talks about, um, how Chris Anka's stuff kind of reminds me now, uh, like, I've compared him to the Paul Smith of his time. Like, he's the Paul Smith of now, and and this kind of reminded me of, of his stuff. Like, I could see the influence here, but he, he, Trevor Von Eaton's probably a better answer.
1: <laughs> One thing that, that caught me, too, in, in this reread is that, um... Mastermind as Jason Wingard is shown at the uh, villa or at their house there in Alaska. You know, but when Maddie arrives with her box full of champagne there, he's kind of there already playing it cool. Like, so did he do like Cape Fear underneath their car the whole way?
4: (sighs) Because
1: he was on the plane with them and then they're driving that old like Pinto or like Plymouth something.
2: Well, you know what? Is he underneath? Well, no, what, what I could totally believe is that he's in the Back seat,
1: and they just don't see. Like him.
2: he's just right there. Yeah,
1: yeah he's yeah. just he's, continually he's,
2: masking his presence. Yeah, he's projecting. It.
1: You want a no prize?
2: So okay. I have a, I have, <laughs> I have a question about um, what you guys might see on your copy of this page when F- Dark Phoenix comes out, and that is the angle of the mouth. The colorist here has made the top. Half of this mouth white, like that, like it's her teeth. Okay. Like her upper lip is just a line. What is it? What do you have in your copies?
3: What? Yes.
2: What I have that. So do you have? Aren't, so aren't the you mouth... looking at
1: the Marvel Unlimited
2: version? Yes.
1: Alan? I am yes, as well, and all I have is the top lip is just a flat line, and the bottom lip is colored pink, so that yeah. you're, you're not seeing like a open mouth teeth smile. You're just seeing a bottom lip.
3: I got you're,
2: teeth. You're seeing I a bottom teeth. lip. What's above the bottom lip? What color is above the bottom lip? It's white. Yeah,
1: nothing. Nothing. It's it's the skin color under her nose.
2: Okay, so there you go. Okay. I've got. I'm going to take a. Can we all take a screenshot of uh, our panel <laughs> and then put it in the on the on the FB page? Done. Because I want to compare what you guys are looking at. because <clears throat> ever since I read this off the rack. This is what it looked like to me yeah. that the te- that teeth were there and no upper lip. And I've always thought that was a mistake. I've always thought that that where the teeth are is supposed to be a lip.
1: Yep. And, and that happens a lot too. I just came across that doing um other comics on Marvel Noise talking about old old comics. And uh I think it changes the intent of like the character though to some extent because you take the teeth away and it's not it's not that Cheshire cat crocodile smile anymore, you know?
2: Yeah. Not, but just not, on the other side of the nose is black. So, how does it go black if the mouth was open there? If there were teeth right. there, I think you'd still be able to see the inside somehow. So that's why I think it's supposed to be the lip.
1: Yeah. Oh, I think it's supposed to
2: be lip too. Got it. Okay. And the next page is full. The next full, page. Full Dark Phoenix.
0: Let's let's focus more on that because oh, that I f- I thought
1: endings... that's the page you were talking about, Alan. No, you were talking I'm... about the Trevor von Eden panel. Yes. Right. yes yeah no that's white like teeth on on this panel on okay my
2: gotcha
0: paul smith's specialty is drawing hair
1: you said it and legs <laughs> <laughs>
2: and <laughs> hips and arms Woo. and faces he does beautiful hands
1: work. really good too
0: the yeah. curls he puts on jean gray oh yep. you like i'm sorry maddie in this uh, Dark Phoenix costume. You just pulled the Cyclops. She'd be getting Dex in the face. Oh, man. Sean, why didn't you just punch me out? <laughs> Drop the ball, son. Uh... Um. Yeah, I... you know, when we sat down to start this podcast, I really didn't think that the Paul Smith issues were going to be um, as special to me as they have been rereading them.
2: I don't like the, know why.
0: Well, I just mean like it, it, looking back on the whole run, it didn't have that as special a place as it does for me now.
3: Huh? I, I have not- to agree with Jerry too because I came in to this obviously way later, and everyone always talks about the Paul Smith era, and it seemed like such a small period of time that I just didn't understand why it had like the gravitas that it did. But now reading it, like I, I don't know about you guys, but you could. The issue we're about to talk to, one seventy-five, like that could have been the last issue of the X-Men, and I would have been like, "All right,
2: <laughs> no. well, what, so, yeah. w- welcome to my world. This, mean, is that- the, <laughs> this is the this is the this is the Paul Smith and the memory I've been having for thirty years. What you're experiencing now has been in my head for thirty years. And you'll
1: remember and- Alan too, because it happened to me as well when Paul Smith came onto the book. I mean, this was, like I said before, the number one book of any." comic publisher at the time and we all knew who john byrne was and we saw him come up through the ranks with doing some of the other things he was doing team up and iron fist and all that and and some of the uh one shotty uh ins he did we all Mm -hmm. knew who cochran was he had been around the block and done every cover for every marvel comic in the 70s um and certainly when he came back on x-men he had already had his stint where the heck did paul smith come from he came out of left field right alan
2: yeah, yeah, I had never heard of him before. I and he was
1: and all of a sudden he was on the number 1 book and it was great and it was like, mm. where would they find this guy? This is fantastic. Yes. <laughs> Afra
0: <laughs> ask <De-ba-ba>. Raf Bashki. <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah. That's where he was working with Ralph Bashki, ba- Bakshi in animation?
0: I think that's right.
3: Cool. And I that's just that. want to say that the cover of 175 is great and Jerry very nicely got me a cover recreation print by Art Adams of it and it's hanging in my bedroom right next to my bed oh, it's pretty awesome. awesome i love that cover i got to take a picture of it and yes we do. Do. It.
0: what he's a sweet. nice guy
3: he is yeah that jerry he's a swell fella
0: Hey, also that from was the, a pee my pants moment
3: meeting Art Adams by the way oh, oh yeah. my god Jerry was freaking the fuck out I think I have the text saved from when you were like I'm at a lunch table and I'm staring at Art Adams
0: there was a guys there was a drink and draw that night and Art Adams went and I was sitting there and he was sitting at this long cafeteria table by himself and I was like Jerry McDade go to that table immediately, and I yeah. could not make myself it. was high it.
3: school all over again. I Jerry was like, you. I can do it. I can do, I can grab my lunch tray, my chocolate milk. I can do this. I can do, Oh, maybe tomorrow. And
0: here we are. <laughs> here we are a year and a half later. I'm like, I wonder what my life would be like had I gone over there oh and talked to Art Adams. Oh, He's such a
1: not a prima donna type of guy, too.
3: He's re- you'd, yes. have, you'd have that Paul Smith jam piece piece. I would. He would have he winked, and it would have happened.
1: Uh-huh. <laughs> One thing about the end of 174, too, to add, is that I love when they end the issue with a dramatic moment that's a splash page. Yep.
3: Mm -hmm. It's great. And to be concluded. I always like to be concluded. There's an end coming. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You're like, oh, damn. Sequential
0: Mm -hmm. comics, something is going to come to an end?
3: Shit (laughs) is about to go down. That's (laughs) what I'm saying. Even at the end of this issue, you're like, all right. Perfect jumping off point. (laughs) What is it
0: We're back in
1: this cycle, huh? <laughs> well, it's been ten minutes since the last one. Oh, is that all? almost ten
3: <laughs>
1: So
0: the joke I was gonna make was um, the conclusion that we get, as promised in one seventy four is the conclusion to the life of the tree. On page one of 175, <laughs> nope. another tree bites the dust under the watch of Chris Claremont. and uh, At least Colossus oh.
1: carries this one away to give it a burial or something.
0: Right. Rogue is hip to the absurdity of this. Right. What is going on with this? Why don't I just tear it out of the ground and, and take care of it? And And... Aurora was kind of like, ah, this is just kind of the thing we do. We kill trees on the property. It's good. You'll see.
2: (laughs) That's what we always do.
1: We have to hurt the tree first.
0: (laughs) (laughs) First we have to humiliate it. Then we kill it. And then we see a
3: giant firebird in the sky.
0: Yeah. And a body falling from it.
3: Uh Uh-oh. On the third page, that first panel of Rogue and Storm... Well, <laughs> Sean that, likes profiles. That, that gets the that gets the gears turning, is what I'm saying, Alan. That the profile bu- shot of Storm and Rogue. Oh yeah, legs Absolutely. up. I
1: yes. love that. I love the leg. I love the one leg Wait up when you're flying, page. like you're trying yep. to get a little elevation. You know. Oh. And uh, Storm certainly got her. Okay, uh, the third panel. Her bosom elevated. That's there. how you.
2: That's how you do it, Steve. Yeah. Yeah, you gotta get that. You gotta get that sigh up. If you want to get a little height. Just,
1: the, yes. the, the, the body falling from the sky. It looks like the like a Looney Tunes imprint on the ground after right. someone's fallen.
4: <laughs> 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 <Kapakatu>.
1: <laughs> that kapokatoo sound
4: as I, it
3: impacts the earth. I like too that when um when they finally get back to the ground to the other teammates. And uh, Cyclops says Dark Phoenix has returned, that it's in the Dark Phoenix speech bubble. Yeah. He's
2: telling him. He's giving him the low. I like Rogue's, speaking of, I like Rogue's whole pose there when she catches Scott. Oh, yeah. She's like that. This is one. my
0: favorite Rogue costume. Yeah? Ditto. I love it. The detail the, with the, the Jedi hood, but the rest of it's kind of skin tight and shiny.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And it's simple, man. Just the, the white, kind, not piping, but the white detail around all the seams and the cuff of the boots. And
2: it's I good. love it. And how it's also asymmetrical. It goes down the middle, but then it curves around to her left. It doesn't have to just completely divide her. Yes, I like that. Yes.
1: I like. In the next like panel, we get the the band is back together. Yeah. Cyclops standing with the crew.
3: This issue would be perfect if Kitty would be in a normal fucking costume. <laughs> <Yes. God. laughs>
2: She's always got to be herself in this 13 and a half year old girl.
3: Right. Xavier goes to use Cerebro and winds up blasting himself. Oy, it's the old poison Cerebro trick. Yep.
1: They must have copied that from the movie. Must (laughs) have. Oh, man. And another Michael Golden panel there. Doesn't that rogue look so much like Michael Golden where she's ripping the uh, Cerebro uh, plug out of the wall? Yes.
0: Well, it makes sense. I mean, rogue hasn't appeared that many times, but Golden at this point is the definitive rogue. Yeah, right. Sure.
1: From the Avengers annual. Mm Mm-hmm.
2: But it's Paul Smith's ability to do those mouths at a certain angle and what he does to the the upper lips. And and I just always and will always love that. Yeah.
1: Occasionally it doesn't work exactly right. Like he sets it too far down on the chin where it's like there's just not enough room for a mouth there. Like he tends to have it feel a little bit off. That in today's day, if I saw that, I would think like, oh, this guy's doing things like digitally because it's just a little off. But, Uh But most of the time it works great and he certainly takes the risks.
0: The insanity of this whole thing is that, at this point, this is Paul Smith's first comic job. You know, he did he did a Marvel fanfare issue, the mm-hmm. backup story, and then he jumps into the X-Men. And for somebody to get this gig normally, they'd have to be at the top of their field. And he just comes in, just a kid, and kicks ass.
2: Kick that ass, Paul Smith. So,
0: I mean, I'm
1: willing to allow the guy a little bit of screw uppery oh yeah I, 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 we were just talking about his mouth so i was just adding yeah. that and and i yeah. think and there's I something about not
0: critical i know you love him but i i just want to underline the fact that because not everybody would know that this is so early in the dude's career yeah.
1: and, but this but, being his last oh, yeah. issue too yeah i mean me. the, the only comment I, why i'm saying about his mouths here specifically is i think in this last issue of his i don't know if there was a little bit of rush or why he wasn't even able to do the whole issue. Um, but I found that those instances of those mouth inconsistencies seemed to happen more in this issue than I had seen maybe in the whole run prior to this. Sure. Uh, so I wonder if there are things where were there some things that he just did like some loose gestural things and, and, and the anchor filled it in. Or um, whether he just did a couple of them sloppy or whether that was just what he was intending to put on the page. I'm not sure.
0: I tried to find a little more information about this issue because it's an anniversary issue, and I knew this was going to be a special episode for us, and and kind of a sad end to a great run for me. You know, I'm just dreading that this is coming to an end. But um, I guess the the since I couldn't find any real information, the opinion I decided to take was that because this is an extra-sized issue, right. because John Romita comes on to, to to pencil the last six pages or whatever it is, it's probably safe to assume that, that Smith was rushed because he had more pages to pencil. But it's probably also safe to assume that what they wanted to do was um, uh, kind of transfer the look of the book mid-issue.
1: Yeah, pass the baton. To Ramita.
0: Right, right, because Romita will be taking over regular penciling duties at this point. And it's it's kind of sad to me that we're coming to an end, because this is the most stable that the book has ever been. For this run, you've got the same inker, you've got the same colorist, the same letterer. I mean, the book just all, has the same look for 12 straight issues, and that's awesome.
1: True
3: that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs>
0: so anyway Plus yeah i'm willing, I'm,
3: I'm,
2: I'm, I'm willing <laughs> to forgive i'm willing to forgive uh paul smith's mouths when you see aurora on the next page with that collar stud and <laughs> oh she just looks don't you think she just looks so awesome there
0: and those eyebrows that go halfway back on her head
2: yeah those those are cockram eyebrows for sure sure they still preserve those cockram eyebrows for her with that cat look and then little funky makeup action going on up sides of the from the sides of the eyes
0: uh huh yeah they they literally go back up over her ear that's how long she draws those eyelashes on her head
2: Mm mm-hmm because she's edgy now that's right but i like that take that you had on it on it that it's her mask because her powers are getting a little crazy and so she's just kind of masking it all over With this radical look.
0: Yeah, and you know, I'm still a little bitter that that never really gets resolved because life-death is going to come along and just uh,
1: derail that train completely. Yep. Made it all that more confusing what Storm's story was. Right. And speaking of derailed stories,
0: boy, is there a tale to tell at the end of issue 175. But before we can get there dark yeah. phoenix makes an appearance arising from cyclops's body leave dropping him to the floor and saying hi guys miss me
1: awesome awesome page another splash mid-issue splash page and the lettering done in the uh, word balloon again hats off to uh tom
2: orzakowski
4: yeah Mm-hmm.
2: and then the then the
3: showdown now it's yeah. now shit got real the showdown's rough because I like the fact that they made sure that that, um, the Phoenix is smiling throughout most of it. Like, you can tell that she's kind of reveling in it. Yep, it's that crocodile
1: smile that we were talking about before, too. Nice and toothy. (laughs) Yeah. She manhandles the team. Yeah, she beats them down. And, Sean, I know
0: that later in the issue you're going to love this because what this becomes from this point forward is really an issue... Cyclops' second goodbye to the X-Men. And uh, we are going to see, following the next couple sequences, uh, which I should not gloss over, because they are amazing, important, uh, not ultimately important to the the whole of the x mens story, but important to this issue. But um, we're going to see Cyclops single-handedly dismantle the entire X-Men. Yep. Before we get there, Storm has the bright idea, let's call the Starjammers for help. They're still in orbit. Maybe they can come down. They're familiar with the Phoenix. And um, they call Corsair, and he answers the Viz phone, and he's bloodied and torn up and in bad shape and tells them the Phoenix has attacked the, the Starjammer. And she's coming around for one more attack, and they should tell Scott and his brother X. Ax- Alex that their old man is proud of them and tell them I love and that's it. Static. <laughs> the last panel of that page I tweeted this last night is um the the kind of the reaction shot. You know the reverse you're you're looking at Corsair through the TV and then it reverses 180 degrees on them and they're lit only by the the television screen. And they're all just kind of frozen,
4: mm-hmm.
0: speechless, yeah. having seen Corsair ended by Dark Phoenix. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, I, lo- so, I love the way so, they spotted the blacks on that last panel too, and made them actually sketchier lines to kind of um, express yeah. that radiating light off of the um, monitor onto them. Like Wolverine's cowl isn't isn't flat black.
3: I love that, and Nightcrawler's forehead. Yeah, it's cool. More sketchy. hmm So the um, Storm contacts Captain America, asks for his assistance. They start to feel a uh, tremor, like an earthquake. And then all of a sudden, the screen, you see Captain America get blown away. And then they look out the window. Storm, like, uses her power to blow the curtains away from the window. And you mm-hmm. see the giant firebird phoenix in New York wiping out most of New York. So where New York used to be.
0: Sean, I never picked up on the fact that she blew the curtains back with her powers. Me neither. That's really cool. (laughs) Storm is awesome, man.
2: Yep. Never never forget that, people. Storm is awesome.
0: At this point, we come to Cyclops recovering or not recovering from having been possessed by the Phoenix Force, and he's brought to the infirmary and Nightcrawler, the medic of the team, and Storm are kind of trying to treat him. And Sean, at this point, these next couple pages, I'd kind of like you to talk about what happens in these. Oh,
3: jeez, Jerry. <laughs>
2: <laughs> talk to us. This, this
0: I've been looking forward to this ever since I reread it, because um, the the running joke is how Jerry cries in every episode, and I knew this this scene was written for Sean to crack. I want to see if it
3: happens. Not gonna crack. <laughs> <laughs> so Cyclops does like the astral projection thing. He's looking at everyone, kind of. He's looking at Nightcrawler and Storm, kind of working on him. And the thing I found most interesting is the fact that like he Cyclops sees a like mutilated Cyclops. We yeah. see a normal Cyclops, but but. What he sees is a charred and burnt Cyclops. Yeah, this is
0: an outer body experience at this point.
3: He has died. Yep. So he's, um, he basically feels a presence, which he believes is his psychic rapport between Jean after he's died, and he's going to find her and meet her. And he sees a woman in the distance who explains to him, stop, come no further. But the place is not for you yet, my darling boy. Mm. Is it Saturn Nine? <laughs> Looks like her, right? But no. And so as she's, they they kind of reach out to touch each other's hands, and she start they slowly start to drift apart. And as he's basically being sucked back, like, um, like as he's being sucked back into his body, like his spirit, he calls out to his mom. It was his mom the whole time. Game. Yeah, fucking devastating.
0: And the whole time he's like, I know this person. Right? I know who this is. Who is this? And it's only as she he's falling away from her.
3: Ladies and gentlemen, I didn't crack, <laughs> but Jerry is losing it. <laughs> it's <laughs> as he's falling away
0: from
2: her. This <laughs> Skype hates the world. Oh my God. No! <laughs> Not on this one. Well, that's all right.
0: Oh, <laughs> uh, okay. So I've composed myself now. <laughs>
2: Skype either hates me or loves you.
0: Oh, uh, yes. So, Scott, his head and I...
1: Holy crap. <laughs> Dude. Yeah, but... I... Mom doesn't mention the third summer's brother at all here. I wonder why. <laughs> I'll tell you why.
2: I'll be glad to tell you why, but I want to do it on air. Oh, <laughs> then I'll re-ask the question. <laughs> <laughs> what an issue. But this is... Yeah, I just love it so much. All of this. Every detail
1: of this. So. Oh, look, I never saw the uh, Art Adams version of that cover. I'm curious.
2: I want to see it. Yeah, I that sounds cool. It was... It was already done in another format, and um, and what is it, that Jerry got a hold of it for Sean? It wasn't just drawn for Sean. Like. Yeah,
1: no, no, no. It's a print. I understand that.
2: Okay. Because it would have been like, Jerry would have had to spend yeah, $2,400, $2, mm-hmm. <laughs> twenty-four dollars or $3,500 or something like that for Sean.
1: I recently came across um, um Art Adams' website, which I had never come across before for whatever reason. Um, and he has a store on the website, and you can buy his convention sketchbooks and stuff. So I actually went back and bought a couple of the old uh, convention sketchbooks that I didn't have of his. Um, so I've got like, I don't know, like five or six square-bound, magazine-sized, um, black and white books, just full of Art Adams stuff. Now it's pretty
2: cool. Cool. Yeah.
0: Uh, All right. We so ready? where where did you lose us? What were we saying? Ah. Uh,
1: we were talking about coming back from the light. We made it back from the light. We called mom. Um mom. Oh, I know I know what we were, what we said next but didn't come out because uh we lost you guys and, and uh and Alan had something to reply to it, but he refused to reveal his reply until yeah. you guys were back.
2: And I'm still gonna hold on to it for a little while longer. But Steve
1: <laughs>
2: But <laughs> okay. go ahead, Steve, with your with, with the my question
1: s- smart ass comment. Yes. Yes. Scott meets his mom here in the uh you know, at the beginning of the afterlife, and uh curious that she doesn't say anything about the third summers brother.
4: mm mm-hmm. Oh
1: that is curious. That
4: is. is. Mm-hmm. I think
1: I like it better that way.
2: <laughs> yes.
4: There yeah. was
1: no third summer's brother. <laughs> I'm with you.
2: There were four Summers Brothers, evidently. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> Too many to name. Don't boil my blood.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: I do back love the fact the that like one. that when Cyclops comes back and he 's like i 'm crying, I remember what I was looking for, how certain I was i 'd find her, and the the one like dialogue box he 's thinking, not dialogue box, but uh what 's going on in his head is Thought just Gene is dead uh, yeah. like I like the fact that he has that moment of clarity where he 's like she 's dead she 's gone we 're getting fucked with or being played and he starts to as he starts to piece it together, it's just like I can't imagine how pissed he is. Yep.
4: Dude. Like
3: I mean this is one of those moments where I know that everyone goes to the well of Magneto and, and so on and so forth being like the worst of the worst when it comes to X Men villains. But Mastermind yes. Dude Holy shit. Sorry. Yeah like okay. the emotional roller coaster like I'm totally with Cyclops. When he puts it together and he's like, only one motherfucker could do this. And it's Jason Wingard. And when I find him, I ain't going to punch him. I'm not going to trip him. I'm not going to put him in the the cell in the the bottom of the danger room. I'm going to fucking kill him. I'm going to kill him. I've had it. Right. I love that. And I love the fact that, like, I watched Taken last night. And Cyclops is full on Liam Neeson. He ain't taking no shit from Colossus. He's just like, I've got to dispatch these fuckers so that they understand who we're dealing with.
1: And back then, they had thought bubbles and still used them separate from the caption boxes. Yep. But as you said, it's in the caption box yes. where it's like, it's like his his mind catching up to what reality is. It, you know, captions were used to set the scene, right? So he's setting the scene mentally for himself. I'm here. I'm in this situation. Gene is dead. Go. You know? And then from there, we get him thinking and and, and reacting and and moving forward. But it's that moment of like, he's still sort of paralyzed in his deathbed and just like, okay, where am I at? What's the deal? That's the deal. Shit. Yeah. Okay, here we go. It's just
3: forward momentum from that point on. I mean, he, every exercise that Cyclops has ever put the X Men through where they were like, come on, bro, we're adults. We don't need this. He just flat out lays them out in the danger room, like pulls them in there, and it's just like, now we're on my turf, like, glad I did all those training sessions.
0: At this point, Cyclops, as far as the X-Men are concerned, Cyclops is on his deathbed. Storm is the leader. Yep. And she knows that they are facing the most dangerous foe they could ever face, and they have to do whatever they can to stop her. So there are no pulled punches, nothing. This is the X-Men, as violent and dangerous as they can be, and Cyclops hands them their ass.
1: Well, you got to mention the one very important point. They see yes. Dark Phoenix when they see Cyclops. Yep. Right. So Mind lives- has
0: made it so that they're seeing <laughs> Phoenix. So, yeah.
2: so now you know why it's on. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that, that they're going to put her in the ground. I have they- to
3: admit too, the other, the other, the hardest part throughout this whole process of reading the end of this mastermind saga was the entire time, Alan. I kept on going back to what you said in the last episode that you were on, yeah. Where what your wish for who Madeline actually was, yes. I couldn't get that out of my head, and I was like, God damn it, like that's such a good idea, man. Like you. Had a better idea than Claremont. You know, I, I do have my moments. Pass off you. By the power principle, people. <laughs> For
0: those who missed it, that idea was that Madeline was actually not a Jean Grey lookalike. She was just some regular chick that Jason Wingard made to look like Madeline.
2: Yep. Made to look like Jean.
0: Uh, made to look like Jean. Sorry, yeah. yeah.
2: Yeah, she could be Madeline. She was born Madeline Priors, born in Alaska or whatever. Was she was a pilot for the airlines, um, for the grandfather, but she just happened to look absolutely nothing like Jean Gray. I love it. That'd have been cool. It would have been cool. Yeah. The only so problem yes.
3: there's the only one problem with that?
2: What would that
1: be, sir? Mastermind reveals here that he didn't have any sort of plan of using her to get yeah. to him or anything until after she was already his girlfriend, and the fact that she looked like Jean was just icing on the cake and made the method of how he was going to fuck with him that much more obvious. Yeah. Which doesn't un- explain why the hell they would have seen the phoenix um, you know, appear above Tokyo the night before they even meet her. Because here, Mastermind's saying he doesn't even try to put his hooks into her until after she's already met Scott and become his girlfriend. Whoops!
2: But in my, yeah. in, but in my, in my scenario, the fact that she looks like Jean from the minute they saw her means that he was manipulating the whole situation, even though. So, you know, it turned out not to be the case, and that's why the dialogue is the way you're saying it is. And the way it's written on the page, but in my scenario, that that couldn't bear out. They would have just have to have new dialogue. Right. Just, oh yeah. It would it would be that Jason has been manipulating it from yes. second one. I prefer that. Yes. Yeah. Very good.
1: Does anyone draw a better colossus than Paul Smith and Bob Wycheck? Nope. Using the, the um, metallic musculature? And I the like hair. That. And
2: the hair. <laughs> That's <laughs> that hard hair. <laughs> I love that hard hair.
1: <laughs> as he's trying to take down the x-men which is hilarious they're you know teleporting all around him, and people are flopping this way you know it's a whole bunch of people against one right so he's trying to move through them quick with cat-like swiftness and everything kitty does a move that i haven't seen before where she phases through the wall and in the same panel she's simultaneously solid tackling scott but also intangible phasing through the wall i didn't think she could yeah. do that I didn't think she
3: could either. I was like, why aren't her legs stuck in the wall?
1: The
0: answer is because she's a badass. Yep. But prior to that, I don't want to minimize that Cyclops has run to the X-Men saying, Guys, I figured it all out. He's so excited. He's like, I did it. I did it. I figured it out. The bad guy is actually mastermind. And Colossus is waiting for him. Storm swoops him up in a wind. Colossus grabs him by the chest and slams him, snapping his his ribs. But at this point, there's two panels split by a page that are so fucking badass. Cyclops completely unloads on Colossus's face mm. with his optic blast, and um, leaving Cyclops or Colossus in this cool silhouette.
1: Yeah, it's like he's a dire rife getting like you know negated yes. by Rom. Yes. Um.
0: Awesome, <laughs> right, yes. But so while he's doing that, Colossus kind of um, fish hooks, or Cyclops fish hooks Colossus's legs, and in one motion he stands up and flips Colossus into Rogan Storm. Nice. And also at the same time zaps Wolverine. Nightcrawler. Well, he, he zaps. Nightcrawler. Yeah. He misses Nightcrawler into Wolverine. Oh, okay. Sorry. Nightcrawler disappears. And Wolverine or uh, Cyclops knows his moves so well that he just kind of pans the ceiling, knowing that that's where Nightcrawler is right. going to appear, and nails Nightcrawler. Nice. And then that's when Kitty does her sweet tackle. But man, Cyclops has been ready for this minute. He's almost like that. Um, that what's his name? Batman. That guy. That like guy. How, <laughs> like, like how he's, he's Batman. A... Is that
1: like that girl? Like Marlo Thomas? <laughs> Batman.
0: Yeah. So. So, like, how he has a, he's figured out in his
1: head a way that he's gonna kill everybody in the JLA if he ever has to. And I've said it a million times on Marvel Noise, but now I gotta say it here too. They don't choreograph fights like this anymore. I love when you actually get to see the punch and then the counter or the block and then the next move and the the physics, albeit they be comic physics, uh, make sense for within the environment. That this person's on this side of the room, this person... You know, it, it all makes sense. It's not just people posed at each other and then the action is assumed and then you just sort of see like the next action pose and all of the punches and parries are all... In the gutters. Here you get to see every move. It's great. I
2: love that. I love that description.
0: So going back to um, Kitty's tackle of Cyclops, he immediately puts that to his own use. Uh, using her momentum to carry them through the through the banister on the, the balcony that they're on, toward the floor, and she's panicked, so she phases. She was already phased, but she stays phased, and he uses that momentum to carry them through the floor into what he knows is beneath, which is the danger room.
2: He knows. He's, he grew up there in I this know. mansion. It's he like he lived there. <laughs> yeah.
0: And, and I didn't realize this until now, but two pages earlier, they telegraph what Cyclops' plan is, because you can see on his belt, two pages earlier, a little calculator yep. attached to his belt.
4: I not just a cell phone, up folks. That. That's not a cell phone. <laughs> nope.
0: <laughs> that's right. So, so you, while he phases um, through through the ceiling of the Danger Room, he gives a nerve pinch to Kitty, incapacitating her, and then deploys an airbag on the floor with his controls, his little handheld control calculator that he has for the Danger Room. And you see Nightcrawler teleport into the control room, trying to take him out. But then Nightcrawler is zapped by the controls of the danger room, which Cyclops now controls.
2: Nice. He's just handling his business. Cyclops is the best.
0: So he runs to the X-Men looking for help, but at the same time knowing that they might turn on him. This is genius, guys.
2: Yes, it Uh, is. So he acted. What if he did what if he knew that they were still probably going to just be zapped and he just needed to stay on his guard? Yeah. Right? Maybe not even that he thought he could get their help, but he just knew that Mastermind was going to be switching up reality on everybody and he just needed to have his contingency plans all in place.
0: So he converts the danger room to uh the Savage Land and runs and hides in the jungle, but before that, the X-Men while he's standing on a cliff, the X-Men are left hanging in the open over open space. And Wolverine's response to that,
3: Sean? Cripes!
1: <laughs> I, I picture a moment again, like a Looney Tune cartoon, where like they were all standing okay for a second, but then looked down and saw that yep. there was nothing under them, and then fell. <laughs>
2: <laughs> and then
1: an anvil fell on them <laughs> from
2: Acme. <laughs> the Acme anvil. And again, this is because it's all CR technology, right? And and they just think they're falling, or is it what? What Did, what does the Shi'ar actually danger room actually do?
1: Well, you don't know where you're actually standing in the danger room, so you could be standing by the ceiling, um, on that ledge there. So the fall can be very real. It depends on how the environment's set up, but yeah, the environment's set up, you know, like a holodeck
2: basically. Mm-hmm.
1: Death there can be very real.
2: Yes.
1: If the program's set
2: up that way. Danger can tell you that's true.
1: I really like the scene of the flying girls, how the team is set up that way, and how they lower the boys back down onto the ledge in their poses there. That's really cool. Again, that one leg up while they're flying.
0: So Scott has taken shelter in the uh, jungle environs, and we cut to Maddie who is now dressed as Dark Phoenix, and she's all, what is going on? And then we are finally get the full reveal. Jason Wingard, mastermind, is
1: behind this whole deal. Yep. When Maddie says, my clothes, uh, she, I think, they I wish they had more room there. They should have said, my fantastic clothes. <laughs> <laughs> she looks fantastic as the... I mean... <laughs> I don't care if it's green or red. I love that Cockrum Phoenix design. From the yes. famous Cockrum sash, you know, wider on one hip than the other, to those high gloves and high boots. I love that costume with all my being. Yeah. <laughs> really
2: good. Now and forever. <laughs>
0: so Mastermind ex- ex- uh, explains his plot, reveals the whole deal to Madeline and everybody and um, reveals that the plot goes all the way back to Uncanny, one, is this 172, where he's disguised as the um, Yakuza leader mm-hmm. that was in charge of negotiating Mariko's uh, deal with, um, how did that go?
2: I don't know, but it wound up with Wolverine getting lost, with lo- losing his lady love, <laughs> right. so, all sorts of things. The son yeah. of... A bitch! Indeed. Oh, what a mother! Oh my God, he mm-hmm. is rivaling for me, exactly. Ugh, uh. kill him,
3: Scott! Uh, Snap his neck!
2: Snap love, his neck!
3: I love the panel reveal when she thinks that it's Scott. He's obviously put the illusion up that he's Scott, and then he changes to his true form. Yeah. And the, just the the eyes in the one panel, and then uh. The face she's making like she's spitting. So spitting she sees
0: Yeah, she sees it's Scott and she dives in and kisses him and then sees that really it's Mastermind, old busted Mastermind from right. the Silver Age. <laughs> and and she turns away and she's sticking her tongue out like <laughs> So yes. my question is, is she coming away and sticking her tongue out, or his, is her tongue still hanging
2: out? It's still hanging out. From the kiss. It's still still hanging out because this kiss is lips on lips, mouths wide open. So, yep, it's just hanging out.
1: And the passion is considerable.
2: Yep. (laughs) (laughs) That's what it it says. That's what it says. It
1: does. So consider (laughs) it.
0: So now she's lying on the floor covering her mouth, and this is, I mean, yeah, she's thoroughly disgusted by what's just happened. And uh, is now a victim, just like everybody else, of Mastermind's assholery.
3: Yep. So he's got to go. He's gotta he
0: gotta does. Go. He's got to go, guys. Um, so Cy- we cut back to Cyclops is running through uh, the jungle with busted ribs and being pursued by
3: the X-Men. My favorite panel of Cyclops and Wolverine <laughs> of all time. Yeah. <laughs> his face. His face blasted right into the dirt. Face plant. <laughs> Scram!
1: interesting about Mastermind's powers, I mean, he's even got Wolverine's olfactory senses fooled. He He's saying yep. it smells like Genie. Yeah, and she's not even trying to hide it.
0: Um, yep. So, Colossus is in pursuit. Even with his busted ribs, Cyclops can just stay ahead of him, leads Colossus into some quicksand, and then into an open plain.
1: Yeah. And, oh, my!
0: <laughs> and now we see Cyclops' true mastery over his terrain, he's placed his breathing mask in place. He just happened to have this breathing mask with him, I and he's run out. He's run out onto a field of
3: poppies, like Wizard of Oz,
0: like the <laughs> Wizard of Oz. He zaps <laughs> Storm <laughs> out of the sky
1: first. Did we lose you? Nope. Okay. No, no. Okay, the poppies then... made me sleep, <laughs> <laughs> but, the white, he... but the white snow will wake me up. Don't worry. <laughs> no, there was no metaphor in there. <laughs> <laughs>
0: So he lures Rogue down to him and then blasts the ground underneath her, causing the poppies to release their Oz poppy dust, Mm -hmm. knocking Rogue, lovely, lovely Rogue, down into his arms.
2: Which again means that this is the danger room and all this is Shi'ar technology making this happen to them? Yep. 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 Okay.
0: So at this point, he shuts the power to the building off. Shuts off all the cameras that might be monitoring him. So Mastermind has no idea what he's doing at this point. He's completely off the grid.
1: But isn't Professor X like on life support?
0: (laughs) Don't think about that.
1: It's (laughs) comics. It's comics.
0: So he carries Rogue down to Professor X in the infirmary and wakes her up and places her bare hand on Professor X's bald (laughs) pate.
2: And look at her face. Yeah! (laughs) I love it my hair that's the
1: first thing she should have said my hair
2: (laughs) where's my hair go (laughs) beautiful beautiful rogue strong strong square jawed bold eyebrowed rogue
0: so Cyclops uses his little temple massaging (laughs) technique that he's learned to calm rogue And just then, the rest of the X-Men enter the room, and now you really see, they're seeing Dark Phoenix standing
1: in front of them. Mm -hmm. Very pretty Dark Phoenix.
3: Yes, indeed. Very pretty everybody. This is it for Paul Smith. This is the last page. This is. Because, little man. Yep. And then we turn the page, and it's our first John Romita Jr. Phoenix. I don't know. Who's the anchor on this?
2: Still this is still still check,
3: check. Yeah.
2: Yeah. it doesn't look like his t- his uh jr what we know of J.R.J.R. well does that's it, because you?
0: we're used to seeing Dan Green ink him on this book and it does
1: on the next page and I also think that him knowing that he's uh, I mean back then Marvel wasn't above saying will you make it sort of look like the other guy right yeah. you know okay. we've seen it time and time again.
0: Yeah, it is. I mean, it's not really that slow of a transition, but there is a transition between the two styles. Yep.
1: I think this is Ramita doing Smith, though, because it becomes more and more Ramita.
4: (laughs) Oh, yeah.
1: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah.
0: Do Smith. And, you know, Steve, I'm going to tell you, when we sat down to do this podcast and you and I talked about um, X-Men books uh, off the air, and I told you how much I love the Romita stuff, you were not real kind about his work on the book. And I was like, what the fuck is Steve talking about? <laughs> and now, having made the journey to X-Men 176, um, I see it. I see it now. You know, it's not just my heart and my memories that that are viewing the page anymore. I've seen the very high point of the Uncanny X-Men And I see what's waiting for us in the next issue.
1: Yeah, and I gotta admit uh, that, you know, part of it was that this, again, was the number one book. And you had to wait a full month until the next one. There wasn't 20 X-Men titles. So, um, it should have been the toppest of quality. And I really liked Ramita Jr. on Spidey at the time. And it didn't look like Spidey as we've come to know him from like the 90s and 2000s and all that. But his old Spidey stuff I really enjoyed. And I love Dan Green as both an inker and a penciler and a painter, even in his own right. But it was just not the right match for for uh, Claremont storytelling. Not the right match as inker onto the penciler at the time, and it just it just didn't jive for me. And uh, maybe you'll have me back sometime when you're going over some of those <laughs> books, and I can uh, uh, make my case. You know, with the material right in front of us there, because it's not fair to pick on his first few pages. <laughs> well, I'll say that I still love it, and those
0: books all still have a place in my heart. I think the cool and goth stuff is awesome.
1: Oh yeah, 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 yeah. You got me there.
0: But, um, but yeah, I
1: see the step down from
0: Paul Smith. Absolutely now, I do see it. But, but let's not. I don't. I don't mean to to slow the momentum as we build to the the conclusion of this story. Well, they they
1: slowed it by switching artists on us, though. (laughs) (laughs) They did. did.
0: Um, So Cyclops says, look, you're not fooling us anymore. I know who you are now. And he just walks through a force bolt that Phoenix throws at him. And he says, you're a fake. You you can only hurt us if we let you. And she says, oh, yeah? What if I do this? And you hear kind of a muffled gunshot. There's a little sound effect. And he says, and falls. (laughs) And now Wolverine's hip to what's going on. And he says, Storm, it's not what it looks like. Mastermind is in here, in this closed room with us. And Storm just lets it all hang out. She creates a... I don't know if you remember back, Sean. Were you on the episode, or was it the one Steve and I did solo, where Storm has that goon on the roof... In the Marvel team up with Storman.
3: That might have been a solo without me.
0: I think you were in the negative zone at that time. You were you were in the age of apocalypse.
3: Yep. <laughs> Steve,
0: do you remember when yeah. she has that goon and she just blasts him with the hurricane within an inch of his life? <laughs> so she does that to Mastermind and but in the process almost kills the X Men with him.
1: Which Mastermind never counted on her being that um uh, risky with, with her teammates and with the unconscious Professor X even in a bed. She wouldn't do something like this. Oh yes, the she old would. would. Mm-hmm. Have you storm. seen her attic lately? Yeah.
2: <laughs> She'll wipe it clean. She's not playing.
0: And Wolverine has had enough of this sucker. I hope you enjoy playing with our heads, Bub. He's got his claws out because you'll never get another chance.
4: I know that's right.
0: So maybe Storm hasn't changed quite so much because she fucking stops him.
1: Right. That's her role. Stop Wolverine from killing people ever since (laughs) the early issues.
0: (laughs) Have you seen the the Tumblr blog, Logan Wolverine No? No. (laughs) I'm sure this panel's on there. It's it's just every instance of Storm stopping Wolverine from doing something. Oh, that's great.
2: (laughs) I would love to see that. It's It's a Tumblr?
0: Yeah, I can't remember what the exact name of it is, but that's the I'm
2: gonna theme. I'm find it. I'll find it. That's that's fine. Fine. It might be called
0: Wolverine now, or Logan. No. But um But they all kind of catch their breath. It's over. Um, Cyclops tells Colossus that he's all right, but where's Madeline? And he sees her face down in six inches of water.
1: Yeah, she's yes. not catching any breath. Yeah.
0: And uh, he performs CPR on her and saves her. And, oh, you guys. Mm. You guys. Mm. She wakes up coughing and says, Scott. And he says, says, here, darling, I'm here. And in the perfect parallel to when at the end of the Black Queen saga, Uh she says hi. (laughs) He says, hi yourself which is exactly how it was with Gene and
4: me with a spoon. No it's, no, it's beautiful and
0: perfect. Yes. Because ah. on the next page Scott says what he thinks is his and what Claremont intends. And this is where we get into some some sad ground for me because Scott or Claremont intends for this to be his goodbye to Gene. He is moving on. He's heading off into the sunset with Madeline. This is really for real now. The last time he's an X Men, he's gonna go off, have his 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 wedding. He's gonna have his marriage. He's gonna have kids. He's done being an adventurer, with the exception of a few stories. He's kind of in, in front of
1: the in front of the grave, though. He's kind of like you know. I know it's only been a year, and I've had like three girlfriends since, but uh, <laughs> I'm finally putting you behind <laughs> me and getting married. <laughs>
4: Don't ruin it.
0: Poor <laughs> Lee Forrester is like Scott. Scott.
1: <laughs> She's still standing, waiting for him to come back on Magneto's island. <laughs> yeah, with,
2: with oh, her uh, long blonde, white blonde hair. Yes. Hey,
1: one thing to point out about uh, when they come back from uh, you know when they're catching their breath after the mastermind thing, all sitting there in the dripping water. Uh, um, it, it was nice to know that Madeline's costume wasn't an illusion. It really did look that good.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I would have just have loved it if her hair was black and spiky, or just brunette, or just right. anything. And it's like, who are you? I'm Madeline. I've been Madeline all along. What? You got okay? A nose ring? I'll still marry you. You don't look anything like Jean. That's even better. Marry me. Something
0: well, like. we do get to see what Madeline looks like as a blonde, <laughs> as she's walking down the aisle. True, but. I have an excuse for Glynnis Ween here. Because as she's walking down the aisle, she's of course got her veil over her face. And when she gets to the altar and she puts the veil back, um, you see Scott in the last page, after they're married, Scott lifts the veil off of her face and kisses her, but the part that's under the veil you can see is still blonde.
4: Aha! Uh
1: It's fixed. in, uh, in the Marvel Unlimited digitized version, when they are uh, having their vow, their dearly beloved were gathered here today at the top of the page uh, horizontal panel, they show her hair all through the veil, and it's all red there. So they, might, they may have messed up your no prize in the digitization of the recolorization.
2: All technology, you fickle beast.
1: Indeed.
0: So, I hate to ruin a touching moment by talking about coloring, but um, that happened, and they are now married. They are married, an oh-so-doomed couple, thanks to one Mr. John Byrne, with the idea from one Mr. Um, Jim Shooter, Jim Shooter, but I was thinking Kurt Busiek, who came up with the idea for resurrecting Jean Grey, which mm. we will oh. not too far off in the future see, and... Um, yeah, um, but this is intended to be it for Scott. He's happily married forever now.
1: And it's quite a wedding reception. I mean, you see the Beast, he's dolled himself all up, right? He's got his hairs cut all short. But then, yeah. you, cut, then you cut to, like, Alex, and it's like, you're the brother of the groom. Get a haircut, buddy. <laughs> Damn, <hippie. laughs> you know? And Corsair's wearing his headband, so he looks like Carlos Santana. <laughs> and Banshee's got like a Wolverine like sideburn do thing happening like come on guys it's a wedding Treat. I know we know that this couple is doomed <laughs> but let's treat it with a little respect
2: it's a wedding in the 80's though that's how they did it in the 80's oh, yeah? no I don't know
1: and Kitty and Peter look at each other from across the aisle is, are we next
2: mm-hmm. and that's back when there was potential too. God damn! Shit, we lost them again. That's well, okay, so i got to get to the page.
0: Do it. Oh, this sucks. So, uh, let's finish this off real quick, because we've been at this for four and a half hours now. Technical difficulties are driving me insane. There were two more issues we wanted to talk about. One. X-Men! Marvel Team-Up Annual Spider-Man, Cloak & Dagger, New Mutants, n- Annual Number 6. This was written by Bill Mantlo, my boy, mm. and penciled by uh, Ron Friends. And... Kevin Duzban. Zuban? Kevin Zuban. Uh It was Man. the inker. And so basically Spider-Man runs into Cloak and Dagger. They're trying to track down some drug dealers who are trying to replicate the formula that created Cloak and Dagger, but instead left a room full of dead teenagers. Uh, then... There's an altercation between the New Mutants and some thugs in an arcade because this is the 80s after all. The thugs chase the New Mutants into the street where Bobby and Rain are taken prisoner and they're going to be
3: experimented on. Real quick, Rain gets shot in the face, but the bullet just grazed her brow. Just Just grazed her skull. Yep, Claremontism.
0: That's right. So um, (laughs) the three groups Spider-Man... Cloak and Dagger and and Sam and Danny meet up. They combine forces. They find the guys that are about to inject this drug into Bobby and Rain, but they're too late. The drug is injected. Bobby and Rain turn into monsters. They kill the guys that injected them with the drugs, but then Cloak and Dagger cure
1: Bobby and Rain. We think, right? Man, yes. Rain bites more people in this issue than I think she's bit at all in all of the New Mutants issues that we've covered so far.
3: She bites yeah, people she, in the hand. Yeah. She
1: she bites um, Dagger on the shoulder.
3: She's a That's biter. Right.
1: She's bitey. She is. <laughs> That's right.
0: So there's two things of significance that happened here, I think. One is that Danny wonders out loud if they're mutants, if Cloak and Dagger are mutants which ends up being a real retcon eventually.
4: Mm-hmm.
0: And the second and In Spidey's like, "Hey, if you're a new mutant, you guys don't have a home, maybe you should go live with Professor X." And Dagger has this look on her face like, "Oh my god, it's the answer to our prayers." But Cloak, the buzzkill, is like, "No, we have too much work to do. We have to do it
3: alone." Cuz isn't Cloak weirdly jealous of anyone that tries to like talk to Dagger? He yes. loves
0: Dagger, don't we all? <laughs> I
2: know I do. Well, she's running around in that skin-tight bodysuit with that big old dagger-shaped out so we can all and, see her belly button. And I'm she's sure.
1: radiant. She's always yeah. giving off all light and everything. It's like even the way she like lights up Spidey, there are a couple panels where like they um, take away the webs because of the shine like, on them, and you can see the web like on the shadow side of his body, but not- I love that effect. It's really cool. But there
2: is a little thing about Dagger's light actually feeding Cloak. Oh, yeah. Like there's some kind of symbiosis Uh going on and he kind of like needs her. So I could imagine why he'd be jealous as well. He can't let somebody just take that away from him.
1: And eventually they made it that she actually needs to give the light off and he needs to eat it for her
2: sake as well, if I'm not
1: mistaken. That it's really a symbiotic thing. Yes. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh.
0: Really cool character duo. I think everybody loves these guys, right? But nobody can ever seem to make them work in a book.
1: True. sucks. Yep. Yeah, some people are good guest stars, but don't you know? Doesn't work when you when you have them be the focus.
2: <laughs> X Men.
1: So, guys, we're going to wrap this up
0: with uncanny or er, un, un, uncanny Marvel team up number one thirty five, uh, which is a Kitty Pride appearance teamed up with Spider Man, and there really isn't much to say about this other than that. They go down in the Morlock tunnels, and it turns out there are some human Morlocks.
3: Yeah, it's really weird. That have no affiliation know. with the other Morlocks.
0: You lose you?
2: No, and you're ne- also there. I'm
0: here, oh, yeah.
3: and you never okay. and you never
2: see them again. Do you, do you never see them again?
0: Nope. <laughs> so oh. that's that's it. And at that point,
2: that's it.
0: I have emptied my tank. Yeah, that's it. I'm done. I can't do another minute. <laughs>
2: You've been drunk and you've gotten sober again.
1: We it, that's how out. long we've been at it, full circle.
2: Yeah.
3: <laughs> <laughs> Jerry. So guys, Sean. We, got, we got to wrap this up before we lose you again. Yes. Yes. Love you guys. So guys,
0: I want you to pimp. I want
1: you to pimp your stuff before you say your goodbyes. You can listen Steve. to uh, me over on Marvel Noise, and occasionally I get Jerry on there and Alan on there, too. And, uh, Sean, we have to find something else that you like besides X-Men to talk about sometime. I'll get you over there as well. Um, otherwise, because I don't, I, I don't like to talk about the X. I like to leave the X for over here. You know what I'm saying?
4: Oh, what oh a guy. thank you.
0: If only everyone was so considerate.
2: Honor. Yeah. <laughs> Steve is a gentleman. Steve is a gentleman. If nothing else.
0: How about you, Alan?
2: Me? Go to co. Leave off the M for Marvel. And then you'll see my comic book. And uh, see if my ideas translate well to my own property. Because <laughs> I can rewrite the X-Men. <laughs> like anybody's business. <laughs> <But> just... <laughs> and you get the page a day for free? It's... Does
1: that still go on?
2: Yeah, the page I'm—I've gotten um, the first issue is published and released at that site, and you get a page on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Nice. That will nice. open up the whole thing. And I'm also remastering them as I'm going along. I'm relettering them. I'm—I'm I'm adding more detail and more content to the page itself. So it's a—it's a brand new experience on the website.
1: Even beyond what you did for the trade paperback. All paper right, George Lucas.
2: Yes, Ooh, cool. even beyond what I did for the trade. All right. But you still have the trade. I the trade is still printed did. in your hands if you have it. I did. So that art <laughs> is still preserved.
1: Thanks, Jerry. Thanks, Sean. Thank you. Thank, Thank you, you guys. Right, guys.
0: Thank you so much for giving us the entirety of your Saturday. Yeah. We appreciate no, it. We sure left. had some fun. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, preserve the illusion.
2: Oh, okay. All right, fellas. Well, cut me off right there. Uh, <laughs> <Good day. laughs>
0: we will miss you, but we will have you back again real soon.
4: Yay. All right. Yeah.
0: Until then everybody, go to our Twitter. Leave us iTunes reviews for God's sake. I don't know how many times we have to ask before somebody actually does it, <laughs> other than Steven Allen. <laughs> uh, we love you anyway. We miss you until (laughs) two weeks from now. We'll see you on the Internet. Thank you, and... Goodbye. Goodbye.
1: those fuckers again
2: until he called called us fuckers (laughs) that
0: time hey maybe I should reboot again and see if that helps what do you think Uh,
1: if you would like to I'm happy with that I just want to apologize no that's it's weird that it's happening so often all of a sudden we've got it at 153 157 158 and 159 that's odd not good I will reboot
2: reboot you reboot fuckers Will do. <laughs>
0: <laughs> this episode has been brought to you by Cry for the Moon Productions.
4: Cry for the moon.